The scripture for this morning comes from both Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4a, and John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then the big flip. This is the story of Nicodemus visiting Jesus. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, or Nick, as we learned this morning in the children's message, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come as an of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, how can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time in the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is it with everyone who was born of the Spirit? Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lift up the, lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's a familiar scripture, as Rachel said. We all know a little about John chapter 3, We've all heard the name Nicodemus. We know the man called Jesus. We know they had an encounter because Nicodemus came to Jesus with a question. And consistently, when you read the scripture, Jesus does not disappoint when people come to him. No matter what the issues are, Jesus is always ready ready to give an answer. And in this passage, you find what I believe is a requirement for us 
God's people to be in God's presence in God's kingdom that we call heaven. It is a requirement that says to us, as we told the kids in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he gave. And that love that God demonstrated is a love with a sacrifice. God made a sacrifice. He gave us his only begotten son that whosoever, which means anyone in the world, is a global challenge to all God's children created by God. Now, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not perish in hell, but you will have life everlasting. And we all know that with life everlasting, you enjoy it in the presence of God in heaven. Have you ever been in a place where there are no rules, no regulations, and no requirements? Man, if you have, then it's a free-for-all community. I mean, if you listen to the news these days, country after country is putting out rules, regulations, requirements because of the coronavirus that is going on. This morning I heard on the news that almost half of Italy, the nation of Italy, is in a lockdown. People are not to move. People are to stay where they are. There are always rules and regulations and, and requirements. I, I, I remember going to high school, and there, there is a requirement before you go to the high school. Because when you, when you finish middle school, you, you, have, you have an exam. And that examination will determine what high school you would attend in, in Sierra Leone. Uh, in Sierra Leone, you can say, we all have open enrollment. Because you can go to whatever high school you want to go to, no matter where you are. As long as you choose the school and you're able to transport yourself to the school and pay the necessary fees, that's your high school. I, I, my, my high school, the Albert Academy, um, is a church-related high school. It was founded in 1904 by the EUBs. We had missionaries in Sierra Leone and they founded a, a high school for boys. It's the Albert Academy, and we have requirements. And the requirements dictate that you have to have a very good result when, when you take the exams. Because Albert Academy is considered one of the top boys high school in, in Sierra Leone. So you have to have a good result. Requirement number two, when you are accepted, you have to obey the rules. And you know, every kid has to obey rules when they go to school. You have to wear your uniform every day. Monday through Friday, you, you have to be in uniform or else you are not in school. Uh, you definitely have to have good grades. You have to be on time for devotion every morning. Because we pray before we go to class, since it's a church-related high school. So we have devotion every day. Monday through Friday. And um, since our principal was an EUB guy at the time I was in the school, at, at the time I was in the school, actually it was a United Methodist school now because the EUBs and the Methodists became one. You, mem you remember the story in 19, 
1960 what? In 1968, April of 68, they became one, and we have the United Methodist Church. So by the time I went to high school, it was a United Methodist High School, not a EUB High School. So you go for devotion, you wear your uniform, you respect your teachers, you respect your, your friends, or else you will be kicked out of school for a few days. So there are regulations. There are requirements. Everywhere you go, there are rules and requirements. There was a regulation of a certain hospital. And I'm, I believe all hospitals do this. They require that a wheelchair be provided for patients before they discharge. And a particular student nurse found an elderly gentleman. This man was already dressed, sitting on the bed with a suitcase at his feet. The student nurse came and said, are you ready to go? The man said, yes. And the gentleman insisted over and over that he didn't need help in leaving the hospital. But the student nurse says rules are to be obeyed. Rules are rules, and they are to be obeyed. The man reluctantly got into the wheelchair and let the student nurse wheel him to the elevator. On the way, the student nurse asked the man whether his wife would be meeting him. And the man looked at the student nurse and said, I don't know. Because she's still upstairs in the bathroom changing out of a hospital gown. And sometimes, my friends, comical things happen to us. And sometimes we do comical things. It has been said of Jesus that whenever he met a person, it was as if that person were an island around which Jesus sailed until he found the real problem. And there he landed. Jesus meets you. He looks at you. At times he examines you with his eyes. And he knows what the problem is. And he tries to solve them. There are many examples in the Bible. Remember the time he met Zacchaeus when he landed on the question of integrity? And what did Zacchaeus say at the end? All that I have stolen... I will repay fourfold. Jesus was able to examine Zacchaeus and landed on the issue confronting Zacchaeus. Remember his encounter with the woman at the well. 
he landed on the subject of marriage. And he says to the woman, go call your husband. And the woman was able to say to Jesus, I don't have a husband. Jesus understood what the issues are. And in our passage today, from the Gospel of John, the third chapter, Jesus does that with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came with his own ideas about salvation and the kingdom of God. And Jesus landed with the words, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Do not be surprised at any at my saying, you must be born again. Jesus believed that was the prescription for Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus knew everything about the Jewish religion, religion and laws. But Nicodemus was lacking one thing. Nicodemus was lacking spiritual birth. And this is what Jesus intended to share with Nicodemus. You must be born again. In a Dennis the Menace cartoon, Dennis is being dragged off to his bedroom for misbehaving. As he goes, he screamed, I never asked to be born. I never asked to be born. And of course, Dennis is technically correct. None of us has to be born. None of us. Because birth is something that happens to us. And we know that. Birth is something that happens to us. And the same is true with our spiritual birth. For years, I read those words of Jesus, you must be born again. I read it as a command that I had to obey, an experience I needed to control. You must be born again. But none of that is true. It is not a command. It is not an experience I have to control. I can no more engineer my spiritual birth than I can actualize my physical birth. Birth is something that happens to us. It is a gift. When somebody has a baby, we consider that a blessing. A blessing from God. It is a gift, my friends. And so when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus understood what Nicodemus was lacking. Nicodemus was lacking that spiritual birth. The spiritual birth that most people of the world are lacking, even today, my friends. I remember encountering a, a lady. We don't know each other. But she looked at me and wanted to, to start a conversation. Let me ask you, something without bothering to identify herself. That was the question. Are you a born-again Christian? 
Have you ever been asked that? Are you a born-again Christian? Here we go again, I thought, as taking it upon herself to check my spiritual credential. Resisting the temptation to say anything unchristian, I replied, yes, I am a born-again individual, and that makes me a Christian. Then I said to her, what about you? She obviously had not called my attention to discuss her spiritual life. So she answered my question with more of her own question. Do you believe in the virgin birth? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you pray? Do you prophesy in tongues? I replied, yes, I do believe in the virgin birth. Yes, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, I don't prophesy in tongues. Although occasionally, occasionally, my congregation may think I'm preaching in a foreign language. She was not as amused. She was definitely not amused. I might have thanked her for her concern, but she, hung, she looked at me without giving me a chance to say anything more at all and without ever saying who she was. What would you say to someone who asks you the same question? Are you a born-again Christian? Or better still, have you experienced the new birth? I don't, think, I don't think we talk like that anymore. I don't think people meet you randomly anymore and say, are you a born-again Christian? Because I believe people are trying not to be offensive. Are you a born-again Christian? If somebody would ask you, what would you say? A kindergarten class was asked to bring their birth certificate. Living his at home, a little boy told the teacher, I forgot my excuse for being born. Well, if you forgot your excuse for being born, Jesus is offering you another opportunity. You must be born again. That's what Jesus is saying in the passage. You must be born again. It is the way Jesus put it. You must take the risk to start again, he was saying to Nicodemus. For taking risk is the only way to grow, not only in business, but in our personal and spiritual life as well. You take the risk to be born again. You take the risk to offer yourself up to Jesus Christ, to God, and say, here am I. I am your child, and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us have taken the risk to be born again? Amen. 
It is a risk we need to take one time in our life so that we can be settled with the requirement for God's kingdom. I was reading a peanut cartoon strip one day and good old Charlie Brown says to Linus, life is just too much for me. I've been confused from the day I was born. I think the old trouble is that we are thrown into life too fast. We are not really prepared for life. And Linus asks, what did you want? A chance to warm up first? My friends, is that what we want? Jesus never gave Nicodemus that, that chance to warm up first. Jesus came to Nicodemus. I mean, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and Jesus was able to just say to Nicodemus, this is the requirement. You must be born again. I don't know how many times I've uttered those words to people growing up. Because growing up, we went on what is called evangelical campaigns. And I think I, I, I may have said it before. But on Saturdays, we leave home, maybe in twos or threes. We go to a distant town. And I don't know how many times we... And I don't know how many times we've said to them, you must be born again. And we get it because of the scripture from the, 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 the Gospel of John, the third chapter. I would like us to listen to the scripture again. I would like us to listen to the scripture again and hear the voice of Jesus, the voice of Nicodemus, and see if it touches your heart. Especially, especially if you've not yet been born again. This is what the scripture says. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not kingdom of God. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are not old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everything born of the Spirit. How can this be? You are Israel's teacher. 
And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Does this scripture speak to you? It is not too theological to say you need to experience the new birth. Because we've all experienced the physical birth. And in this passage, Jesus is talking about the spiritual birth. Excitement for the people of God. My friends, begin this day by praying a new prayer to God. Begin by offering the prayer that Nicodemus was unable to make. Begin by saying, God, I want to take the adventure of faith with you. I want the new beginning that comes with being born again. I want to get serious about my faith. Use me like you've never used me before because I believe in the redemptive work of Jesus the Christ. As we go through the season of Lent, that's what it's all about. You must be born again. And today, my friends, it is not a matter of your personal issues. It is not a matter of what is good for you in this world. It is what is good for you in the world to come. Because we live in the world where we spend 810 years, if we are lucky. But then in heaven, it's eternal, it's everlasting. A beginning without an end. That's the life Jesus is talking about. I know we all go through issues in the world. The circumstances surrounding us are tough. 
globally, we're talking about coronavirus. It affects all of us, one way or the other. Because if you're not somebody who have caught it, your pocketbook will feel the pressure because every item in the grocery store goes up when these things happen. But Jesus understand all that. And yet still, he wants us to realize that being born of the Spirit is a necessary requirement for our entrance into God's kingdom. So the question this morning is, are you born again? Remember I was asked the question, are you a born again Christian? And that's the same question I'm asking you. Are you a born again Christian? Even though I don't believe that's a correct statement, are you a born again Christian? Because I believe if you're a Christian, you're born again, amen? So are you born again? We don't hear that type of a message anymore. You have to be born again. But that's what the scripture gave us this morning. And I'm just asking us, if you're not a born again Christian, or if you're not born again, born of the spirit, then let's just pray together this morning. Please say after me, dear Lord, I thank you. I thank you for Jesus Christ who went to the cross and died for my sins. I am a sinner and I confess my sins. I ask for your pardon and your forgiveness. And I pray that I accept Jesus into my heart. Jesus come into my heart Come in today. Come in and stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. And God, I thank you for my salvation. In the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Amen, Christians. If you did say that prayer and you meant it, guess what? You're not only a churchgoer these days anymore. You are now a Christian. And if you're a Christian, we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. To this end, let the church say amen. Amen. amen.